Let's pray. God, we know that you are with us. We know that you are present here in this place. Help us hear what you're inviting us to this day. That our minds and ears, eyes and hearts may be open to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. So generally in the lectionary, uh, the first Sunday of Advent is never daisies and sunshine. Uh, so we start with, in some ways, a warning. And other ways, hope. They go together. Um, so if, if you were to describe what Advent is to you, what words would you use? How would you describe it? Like if someone who was not Christian asked you, what is Advent? What would you tell them? Time before Christmas, okay. What's the purpose of it? What do you think? Preparing for the birth of Christ, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For us as Christians, it's a season of light, especially um, because all of our traditions, uh, most of them anyway, that we have in the United States, it's come from Europe. Uh, and so, as we move towards December 25th, the days get shorter, the nights get longer, and you know, candles and evergreens and, and all of these things symbolize different things about our, about our faith. Advent is very much a season of light. It's also a time of you know, preparing for Christmas, getting ready. Um, in terms of of culture, uh, Christmas can be a time of forced merriment. Uh, people have, you know, there's lots of holiday parties and, you know, you're supposed to be in a good mood, um, but maybe not. And there's also a lot of distraction. The preparations can often overtake our focus on Christ. And for a lot of people, this can be a very difficult season as well. Um, when I was the interim pastor of three churches in Mifflin County, I did three funerals within 10 days of Christmas Eve. I did one the day before on the 23rd. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but a lot, of, a lot of people pass away between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, so there's a, there's, there can be a heavy sense of loss for a lot of people at this time. Um, and also because there's so much focus on the birth of Christ and the incarnation of God in human form and you know, the miraculous conception of, of Jesus, for those who have not been able to have children, it can be like a knife to the kidney. 
uh, it is not an easy time for people. Um, myself included in that in a lot of ways. Um, and so we hold these things in tension as we do, right? So we hold the hope and the joy that Helen read from our, uh, from our Advent wreath lighting devotion. We hold that in tension with this, this very real understanding that it's not really all daisies and sunshine. Um, and yet we're called to prepare. In this season, we are called to prepare. So how, do, how does the church prepare? Well, we have an Advent wreath that reminds us of different things. Um, I think today's candle is the candle of peace. I could be wrong. I never get them right, except for the pink one, which is joy. That one I know. Wow. So we have the Advent wreath. We have special readings. We have special songs that we sing. And we have different rituals that, that help us remember. But I think sometimes we can forget what we're actually preparing for. Um, so as the songs that we've sung this morning, the two of them, they're not only preparing us for the incarnation, which is the birth of Jesus, you know, baby Jesus. Um, but it's also for the second coming. It's a both and. And that is what is reflected not only in the hymns um, that we've sung so far today, but also in the scriptures. Um, there's a looking forward to something um, and not like a, oh boy, I'm looking forward to this. But uh, like Isaiah said, I, he saw this. He didn't hear it. Um, he saw the vision. Of, of Jerusalem and the temple. And so we look forward to these things that will come at some point. And it, it's, I think, is it in Talladega Nights? Where it's like, sweet baby, seven pound Jesus? Like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> like that cracks me. <laughs> because I think if we get stuck in that version of Jesus, in the little baby Jesus, that idea of God is tame. It's boxed. It's liter like literally carryable, right? It's, it's contained. It's tame. It's tender. The Messiah at the second coming, not so much. There's judgment and hope. Things need to be torn away in order for Jerusalem and and the temple to be what it's supposed to be whenever that happens. And so we're invited on this first Sunday of Advent to, to watch and be watchful. In, in Isaiah, there's very much a promise of hope about what will come. And yet we often focus on, you know, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their, their spears into pruning hooks. A lot of people know that imagery. And yet we don't always think of what comes before it. Um, it's kind of like Jeremiah. You know, I know when God says, I know the plans that I have for you, 
But a couple of verses before that, God's like, yeah, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. Suck it up. <laughs> so things need to go together. There's both hope and judgment in this. But as, as Abraham's descendants, um, so if you look back at Genesis 12, God promises that Abraham's descendants will be basically a blessing to the nations, or in the words of Isaiah, a light to the nations. Uh, they, depending on how you want to say it, you know, they go together. And so there's this promise of hope. And for well, for Jews and Christians and Muslims, um, they are all people of place or can be people of place. So even though Jerusalem means city of peace, in 3,000 years and maybe longer, Jerusalem has not been a city of peace. It has been a city of conquest and war and division. Even now, there's, there's four quarters. I, I just happened to pick up a book at the library about the city of Jerusalem and I've started reading it. I'm in like 10 pages. Um, I didn't realize I was picking up a textbook from the library, but, it, but you know, there's four quarters in Jerusalem. Have any of you been to Jerusalem or Israel? No, I was there in March of 2019. Um, and like, it's fascinating because there's the Jewish quarter, there's the Christian quarter, there's the Muslim quarter, and then there's the Armenian quarter. And in order to get into where the temple is, you have to go through security. It's, and it's in the middle of, of the city, essentially. And it is actually on a hill. Like, so when we hear talk, whether it's in the Old or New Testament about going up to Jerusalem, they are literally going up because Jerusalem is on a hill. And so one of the things about religion, I'll say in general, is that most people put deities on hills. Uh, and so even though the location um, of the temple in Jerusalem is not the highest mountain, uh, we, hear, we hear Isaiah say, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of mountains and it will be exalted above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. That beacon, that calling of this is a place of peace. Um, unfortunately, because we're human, we don't always embody that peace. And so Jerusalem has been a place of, of war and conquest and strife for at least the last 3,000 years. It's, but we have the promise of hope from Isaiah. And then we have the reminder of readiness from Jesus. So if you read chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew, it's all kind of one discourse. It all goes together where, so Jesus says in this particular passage, Matthew 24, 36 to 44, he's talking about not knowing when the hour will come. And then he goes into different parables about how you need to be ready. So we need, we need to be ready for Jesus to come back in a way that we are living into who we're supposed to be. So 
because of who I am and my job and asking questions pretty much for the most part of people, these three questions came to my mind as I was preparing this sermon. The first, are we paying attention? It seems like a kind of basic question, but a lot of times we're not actually paying attention to what God is doing in the world or what God wants to do in us because um, we're busy with things. We've got to go to the grocery store. You know, we have to clean the house. We have to, you know, oh, we've got to go here. We got to go there. Are we paying attention to what God is doing? And it can be, it can be both and. I'm not saying that, you know, we never go to the grocery store again. Not, you know, being extreme in that way. But as we're at the grocery store, are we paying attention to what God is inviting us to? And then are we living in the people God created us to be? So, you know, the last nine weeks, um, I talked about the fruit of the spirit. And this question, are we living into the people God has created us to be, is a question, shorthand, essentially, of is the fruit ripening in me? You know, are all of these things in my life growing? And then the third question, are we diligent and trustworthy with what God has given us? Which is a hard question. Um, all three of these are hard questions. But there's something to be said, especially about the diligence of it and how that goes with paying attention and what we're paying attention to. Because in the Matthew passage, uh, it Jesus says, you know, if the if the owner of the house knew when the thief was going to break in, he would have been ready. Like he would have been waiting. There's, there's a diligence that Jesus is inviting us to of in some ways being constantly ready and yet knowing that it may not come for a long time. That, that kind of tension. And another thing we're, we're being invited to is to live in the both and tension. And so as we go about preparing for both the incarnation and the second coming, one of the things that I think we, we can't do is that we can't establish Jerusalem as the place where all nations will come. Because that, as we've seen in the last 3,000 years, has led to war. It's caused unspeakable violence in this city of peace, where if you lay claim to something, then that automatically sets you at odds with someone else huh. in many ways. And, and the best, one of the best things I think about being a Christian is that when Jesus died, the, the curtain in the temple split from the top to the bottom. So it's not like someone ripped it from the bottom and it split up. It split from the top to the bottom, which was symbolism of the temple being open, of God coming out of the temple, that, he, that God doesn't have to reside in a little box that we make for him. And Paul tells us that we are the temples of God. So wherever we go, we carry God with us, within us. And like that for me, um, as someone who is not a person of place, um, 
who's I'm not really tied to anywhere um, generally. The fact that I know that God goes with me everywhere I go is amazing. Like there's such a confidence in that. And it also allows me to hold loosely this idea of place. Um, If God wants to establish Jerusalem as the place, then God's going to need to do it because only God can help us as humanity be our swords into plowshares. We are an unruly people in general. And then the other thing that I was thinking about is that we cannot live as if Jesus has already come, Um, which sounds a bit strange, but let me unpack that. So like Jesus told his disciples, we need to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And this is where we need to pay attention and listen to what God is asking us and listening to what God is telling us. Um, Because if we go to extremes of, you know, oh, God's going to come tomorrow, then long-term gets pushed aside. If we look only at long-term of, you know, God's not going to come back for a thousand years or whatever, then we can get complacent. So there needs to be a middle ground in this. And I think that's part of being wise as serpents and innocent as, innocent as doves. We can, we can be paying attention to what God wants us to be paying attention to. And I think part of that too is that we don't live in a world of idealistic or utopian peace. So we know this. We see it every day on the news. Different people in different places are fighting. Um, In all honesty, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a fight on the floor of the House of Representatives or the Senate. Like, I'm waiting for people to really start throwing punches just because of how upset people are and how um, irritated and overwhelmed and offended. So we, we can't... We can't pretend that we live in this world that Isaiah talks about, right? Of, you know, the swords have been beaten to plowshares and we don't live there. And yet, so what do we do? What do we do with this invitation of of hope and not yet all at the same time? So we watch, we wait. And we listen for God's direction in our lives. And then we act on it. That's an important distinction um, that we need to make. And so for this season of Advent, one of the beauties of um, the seasons of the church is that they're they're different foci, I guess, focuses um, for the different times and things. And so at this time, We prepare our hearts and minds for Jesus' coming, not just the reminder of of baby Jesus in the manger, but the reminder and preparation for for being ready for Jesus' second coming. And so because I'm practical, one of the things that I think we can do uh, as 
children of God, as we prepare our hearts and minds, is we can be able to give reason and describe our experience for how our relationship with God has transformed us. Why, to be able to answer the question, why is baby Jesus coming an important thing? And not from a theoretical or theological perspective, but from a, this is what God has done for me and I'm grateful. Because that's where people hear our authenticity and they respond to it. Um, I don't, I tell this story on a regular basis. So if you've heard it, my apologies. Uh, when I worked at Dunkin' Donuts, um, as I was working my way through my master's degree, uh, there was an undergraduate student that I worked with on the sandwich station. And it was very busy between, you know, seven and 9 a.m. And so we were in the throes of making like our thousandth sausage, egg and cheese on croissant. And um, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, why are, why are you so joyful? What, what is it? Like, what have you got? Um, and it was one of those times where God was very gracious because like I felt this kind of wave go, go through me. Like I had a physical reaction, which was like, you need to pay attention. This is an opportunity. And so I stopped and I looked at my coworker in the eye and said, do you really want to know? And he said, yes, I do. And so I said, well, you know what? The reason that I'm so joyful is because I have God in my life and God has got me through a ton of hard times and I've come out on the other side better and stronger. He was like, really? I said, mm-hmm. And then we went back to making our 1,001st sausage, egg, and cheese on croissant. <laughs> but like, it was like time slowed down. It was fascinating. Like, even as I'm telling you, I can remember the feeling of it, where it's like, this is a godly moment. And I hope in the midst of Dunkin' Donuts crazy, downtown State College, you know, on a random Thursday, <laughs> it just, you know, God shows up. We need to be ready. So if I wasn't ready for that, I would have missed a huge opportunity to talk about how in a very short way, you know, two sentences, how God has impacted my life. And so we, we need to prepare. So essentially what's your elevator speech for Jesus? You know, how has God impacted your life? It's one of the ways that we can talk about God from personal experience without trying to control or manipulate or um, convince the person that we're talking to, because that's not going to work at all. Um, people don't want to be convinced, especially my generation and younger, um, and I'm a Gen Xer, we've been sold to for our entire lives. We can sniff out inauthenticity in a heartbeat. We know when we're being sold to. And so, the standard or traditional ways of evangelism don't work. 
because we want to know how you've been changed. What has God done for you? And if you can't answer that question, if any of us can't answer that question, then we're not going to help other people know Jesus. And so we prepare in Advent, we prepare our hearts and minds. Decorations and festivities may help us, but they may not. We can ask for God to deepen our understanding of and relationship with Christ so that we can answer the question. What have you, you know, what has Jesus done for you? How has, how has his coming as baby Jesus and then into the rest of his life, how has it changed you? We prepare, we wait, we watch. And we get ready for Jesus to come in whatever way and whenever way that happens. Amen.